This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 200. We finally made it. Show number 200, recorded on January 22nd, 2015. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, all three engines up and burning, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff, the final liftoff of the planets. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, we post the show. And there won't probably be a lot of show notes this week, but head out there. For most shows, we have a lot of them, but uh, they're out there at theaverageguy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can always contact us. Send us an email. Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can track me down on Twitter at Jay Collison or now call in those questions, 402-478-8450. I'd love to have those. We'll be getting to those calls over the next couple shows uh, as we come back to uh, kind of a more community podcast with uh, LastPass tonight. We're going to focus on that. We'll be getting to those calls. Uh, and we want to let you know the TheAverageGuy.tv is now powered by Maple Grove Partners and their web hosting options that are there. It's great to have Christian on because uh, he's kind of the boss. I'm just going to say it. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting for people you know. And literally, last night, a little bit of an issue. Christian and I were online. Boom. Fixed. Just like that. Uh, and people you know and trust, you can trust Christian as well. For more information, of course, visit maplegrovepartnersallinword.com. And, of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the link to this show and many other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. You can join us in chat, watch or listen live. Find us on YouTube, Spreaker, and now Mixler as well. All kinds of stuff. Just head out to theaverageguy.tv, would you? And check that out. And you want to check out the lightning speed that is that is theaverageguy.tv. Christian, why don't you give a quick update before we bring Amber in. Quick update. What's going on with Maple Grove Partners? Yeah, Maple Grove Partners, we're bringing in um, about two terabytes a month of web traffic now and have brought on some new clients in the last month. So pretty exciting to see that. Um, we're, uh, we just finished installing some new intrusion detection systems. So we're pretty much doing real time threat analysis of all of our networks to, uh, keep them, uh, out of harm's way at this point. And, um, everything's been really smooth. I think our, our next, uh, major plan is to bring up another, uh, gateway edge server so that we can do some fail over there. But, uh, everything's been running rock solid for the most part. And, uh, and clean, yeah, clean and efficiently a, it, done. <laughs> been a little downtime last night, right? I yeah. Mean, so, it happens. Guys, it, this is, you know, this is, um, a little bit, you know, it's not going to be zero downtime, right? This is Christian running this. It's a business. He's doing some stuff. Yeah, we had you know a little router go down last night, which will probably be duplicated here pretty quick, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's uh, unfortunately the last piece of the entire architecture that isn't uh, failover. So um, I've decided that the urgency of making that failover has gone up considerably, and uh, that'll be the last thing to make uh, redundant. So yeah, yeah, no, the average guy TV powered by it. And, uh, you know, you know, it's, you're going to, from, from time to time, it's going to happen. And, and so, uh, from that expectation, just have some expectations, have some decent expectations, but $10 a month will get you in. If you were thinking about setting up a, a provider, I know, um, uh, actually some guys that uh, a guy that I was working with has moved his way over, uh, to you as well. And so, um, it's available to, it's kind of a big community project. I, I want to paint it as that for us. And, 
some great hosting, and Christian does a lot of the work. And like I said, he and I, when it went down last night, he was like, oh, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> a little problem here. I'm going to get this fixed, and uh, and he fixed it right away. And it's a great community project. So if you want to join us in that project, and I, I would encourage you to do that, uh, jump in, 10 bucks a month, and uh, and Christian, you'll you'll have your hosting providing done by Maple Grove Partners. All right, I want to introduce Amber. Of course, Amber is a friend of the show. She's been on probably more. Uh, she's probably the, got the record for the host that's not named Christian or not named Andrew or not, you know, that's been on the most. Amber, uh, welcome to another Home Gadget Geeks. Great to have you back. Thanks for having me back, Jim. It's great to be here, and congrats on 200. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I, I was telling somebody earlier. I have never. Uh, I've never done 200 of anything in my life, and uh, I just. I'm not built that way. I'm not good at consistency in this. But podcasting for me has kind of brought that. Some of the consistency we've done it week in and week out. We celebrated the four year anniversary back in early December. And it, obviously, I have not done a show because that would I would have gotten to 200 early if I would have done one every single week, but. We have done a home gadget geeks, what used to be called home tech in the day when we first got it started for 200 now. So I'll say thanks to the listeners here. It gives me a great opportunity. Thanks for those that have uh, kind of gone on the ride with us. It's been a lot of fun. I know a lot of you came over from Home Server Show uh, when we did that. I want to thank Dave McCabe for that as well. He kind of got me started on this adventure uh, in, in podcasting. We've had a lot of great guests and we've done a lot of great information. I don't plan to go anywhere or do anything different, so maybe we'll do 200 more. We'll always have LastPass on at least once uh, in the spring and once in the fall. That's kind of been a nice pattern to have you guys on. The big sponsors, we took T-shirts to the meetup uh, that you guys provided. Thank you for doing that uh, as well back in the fall. And uh, I think a lot of our listeners use LastPass. Uh, Amber, catch us up a little bit, just an overview. What's going on at LastPass from, uh, you know, what's new, anything you'd like to announce, that kind of stuff. Let's talk about that. Sure. Um well, you know, just taking a step back, you know, I'm glad to hear that a lot of listeners are, are probably LastPass users, but for those who might not be familiar with the brand, uh, LastPass is a password manager. So essentially, you know, at its core, we're there to help you remember your passwords and then fill your logins for you when you go to sign in to your accounts online. And you've got your passwords with you on any device, any browser, everywhere you are. You're, you know you're always going to have your passwords and your logins with you. Um, so that's what we do. And so obviously over the years we've looked at adding a lot of features that make passwords easier to deal with. You know, even with a password manager, um, there is still some work involved with passwords and with protecting yourself online. So we're, we're always trying to look for the ways that we can help people make those processes easier, make online security easier. Uh, so we've rolled out, you know, a, a couple new features uh, within the last few months that we're really excited about. Uh, you know, towards the end of last year, we rolled out an automatic password changing feature, auto password change. Uh, and we released it as a beta feature, but it is available to everyone. You know, it's, it's built into the product, so anyone can use it. And essentially, it's everyone's dream come true when it comes to passwords. It, uh, when you launch it, the, the, the feature goes out, opens the website for you, finds the page in the website where you need to change your password, and it completes the password update for you, and then stores all of, that, all of those updates back into LastPass and submits them on the web page. So essentially, you know, if, if you got a notification that, you know, I don't know, Home Depot was, you know, breached, and you really should go change your password if you were shopping online at homedepot.com. Um, 
you just launch straight from LastPass, it goes and does it for you, you're done, you know, um, less than a minute later. Uh, so really taking all the work out of that. So is when that, we launched the feature, Amber, we so, mm -hmm. Is that available? Let me ask you. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Um, is that available for every single site, or is that uh, is that kind of site by site based on, because obviously logging in, you know, going to the site, logging in, there's every site's a little bit different in the way they do it. So it, it, is that available for everything? We launched and supported about 70 sites at launch. And you're right, it is a site-by-site -site thing at this time. There are some ways to, you know, automate it and make it easier, but but really right now it, it is a, you know, adding each site, testing each site, um, and building out the feature from there. So yeah, about 70 when we launched, it was 70 of, you know, the most popular sites or websites that we knew uh, may have had security issues over, you know, recently and knew that it would be top of mind for people to try to update those passwords specifically. Uh, and we've got a full list of them at lastpass.com. Um, on our blog, you can get the link to find the full list of what we support right now. So it's a feature that's actively in development. Yeah, and it's one of those things uh, I was just going through. So, I, like, I and I so want to show my screen, but it would be so wrong if I actually <laughs> did, right? Because there's a lot of information on there. Uh, but uh, so, like, I went to Vimeo, and and I go to the. And there's a little pencil that's uh, that's an edit, right? I'm, I'm going to edit the actual uh, entry that I have in there. When I go to Vimeo, not supported, so that doesn't show up there. Uh, but then when I go back to Yahoo, a that is one that's supported. And so right below the password window is a little icon that says change password automatically. And I'm assuming one click then? Is that all I need to do? I'm afraid to actually do that in real, <laughs> in real time. Because Yahoo's a little bit of a bugger for me, to be honest with you. That, that one has been tough. And it's one, we'll talk about this a little bit, it's one I've set two-factor up on for them. Right, and so not just with you guys, but set two-factor up with them. So well, actually, um, that's a great point. So when we launched the feature in beta, it currently does not support changing sites on password or changing passwords on sites where two-factor is set up, um, because we need you to authenticate, you know, for the two-factor in order to get in and change it. So it is something that's on our radar, uh, and uh, but for right now, if you know you have two-factor turned on, you're going to have to go change the password yourself instead of using that feature. Amber, and all, all that will happen, I just wanted to say, if you yeah. did launch it and forgot that you had two-factor turned on, all that would happen is LastPass would tell you, sorry, we can't change the password at this time. Uh, but you would still be able to go do it yourself. Yeah, and it's been, um, you know, every show, I tell you every time we do this, you know, you, you, you convict me into better password <laughs> management every time. So the very first time we had you on, I had kind of used LastPass, but not everything was there. And then... You were like, so after that show, that weekend, I went, I put everything in, but I didn't get it all, the, you know, just right, not using two-factor. The last time we talked, you got, not only did I get everything in, but then I started looking at, you have a security check that has been very, very, very handy in making sure it's checking to see if I have duplicate passwords and such. So I actually ran that. You know, I'm, I'm running at a pretty dismal 63% right now, but I'd had that as high as like, oh, I think I was in the 90s at one point. And then I found a whole bunch of accounts that I didn't know. You know, it was like one of those, you're like, oh, yeah, I've got that account. Oh, better save that. I got that account. I better save that. So it was one of those things. And I realized there were, obviously, they were all the same password uh, when I found those. So I've got, I still have some work to do. But John had asked in chat, what, when we think about master passwords, right, on this, we're going to, th we're going to talk more about that. I was going to talk about this earlier. But since John asked the question now, let me run it by you. 
When we think about a master password, what's your what's your recommendation on a good master password? I know we've heard from Christian before. We've talked about this without you on the show. Christian's got a crazy scheme to get his. But what do you recommend? What's LastPass recommendation for a good master password? Well, I mean, I would be curious to hear what Christian's formula is, but uh, <laughs> we'll have him as soon as you're done. We'll have him say. It. Okay, <laughs> there there are different things you can do to create, you know, your own strong master password. You could create a crazy long password phrase that's nonsensical, but when strung together, you know, creates a strong password and is easier for you to remember. Personally, the method that I like is to create like I said, a phrase or maybe drawing from a song or something personal and then using random letters and numbers and symbols that correspond with the words in the phrase or the words in the sentence. Um, and when you do that, I mean, I have, you know, you have a, you can easily have a 20 plus character password that has letters, numbers, symbols, looks like a generated password, but actually corresponds to something that I can easily recall because of, of the device that I'm using to match the symbols and letters. Um, so I guess just to give you an example, you know, if you were to say, um, my dog is red, and then you took the M, and maybe you capitalized the D, and then maybe you did a you know, instead of an R, you did an and symbol, and, you know, so taking parts of the phrase, you can construct a random password from that. That's one strategy, and you'll see people talk about that. Password phrases are also really popular. Yeah, I, that's in all the security training I've ever taken. That's how they recommend that we get it done. Christian's got a crazy way. Christian, <laughs> in, in 30 seconds, give us your overview. 26-character password. You should know it cold. It's never written down. It's never discussed. It's never texted to your aunt. It's uh, just one of those things that never gets anywhere. If you can't memorize it, don't do this method. It's not for all people. Once you have your 26 characters, you partition the 26 characters into three different groupings. Um, those three different groupings become what you use based on the level of site security that you want. So... Um, if you're on a site that's you consider more sensitive if it were compromised, that's one branch. So you have low, medium, high tiered codes, and obviously the high tiered code you want to use lesser than your low tiered code. First half of it's one of those partitions. Second half of it, like Amber said, is something specific that helps you that when you look at the page, you're going to say, oh, that's what I would have written. Um, this comes more naturally to me because I play memory games all the time and was trained to do so at a very young age. But uh it's it can be these these things can be adjusted for pretty much all cases. So <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly clearly Christian is a whiz. Um, <laughs> I don't have a great memory, and I would <laughs> I would bet there's a lot of people you know that struggle with passwords. I mean, pa password tiering password tiering is something that we've heard a lot. So like you were saying, you know, create a tier for this type of site, create a tier for that type of site. Where it gets unwieldy is when you rack up, you know, 50, 100 plus sites and remembering which combination you used. And, and then that's really still where a password manager becomes critical. Um, you know, for me, I didn't really realize until I started using a password, just password manager, just how many accounts I had. There were a lot of one-off things that I would sign up for. I would make a purchase. They would force me to create an account or things like taxes and my 401k where I log in once in a blue moon and if a whole year has gone by, then maybe I've completely forgotten what would, what would have even, you know, what I would have used a year ago. Um, 
So yeah, for creating your master password, it's great to use that kind of a system because it'll help you achieve a higher password. But for your everyday passwords, that's really where you know the password manager also comes in. Sure. Yeah, and that one master password, of course, needs to be probably the most complicated one that you need to get in there. And then uh, let me ask about setup. Uh, and, and let me say what I do too. I've got I let LastPass manage probably ninety percent of my passwords, so I don't. I've put the most complex. I've you know I use that choose feature a lot, where it's like, nope, I went I went twelve characters. In some cases, uh, with the banking stuff, I've I've pushed that up to sixteen when they support it, uh, and I've let them manage it, but. There's a couple accounts like my Microsoft account and my Google account. I'm I'm constantly manually having to log into those, and sometimes I'm on, I'm on machines that don't support right. Like especially with Windows, you can't your Windows password. You guys can't fill that first one in because you're not logged in yet, right? That on Windows that you have to do. So those are a few I have to memorize, and uh, and it's just you just you, you you know you create that password. But in my case, most of the the last uh, most of them are, are managed by you guys, and that's great because it picks really hard passwords. I don't even know them, right? I mean, it's like good luck figuring that one out. I have no idea. You know, it's just crazy. And there's so many different options. If you haven't done it before, let me encourage you to go out and do, get the free trial out there. It's free, right? Unless you want to do the mobile. Some of the is that still the case? Is it? It's twelve dollars a year if you get the paid version, and it's free for everybody else. Is that how that works still? Yeah, you can sign up, get started for free on your desktop or your laptop. You can even sync for free between your, you know, desktop and laptop computers. But right, to add the mobile sync for unlimited mobile sync and backup, you do the $12 per year premium upgrade. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely encourage people to sign up for free. You can get started with all of the features we're talking about for free. You know, the password generator, saving and filling your logins, syncing between your computers. It's all with the free account. What's um what's your best advice for the first time setup? Because you know you you start with a blank slate, and then you've got to kind of start going through finding you know finding your accounts and saving them. Do you guys have any kind of advice? If nobody done this before, what's kind of the best way to what's the best practice about getting this set up for the first time? I would say that once you you know you start on one browser, you start on one computer where you download LastPass and create your account, and like you were saying, it's really important to actually just get everything in there. And you may not even realize what you've been storing maybe in different browsers, on different computers, or maybe you've been, I don't know, adding things to notes on your phone. Um, you'd be surprised kind of how just scattered it gets. And so really just centralizing it is a huge step. And it really lets you see what you have. And so when you do the download process, LastPass tries to help you import so it can import from your browser. Uh, and it can do that over and over again on any machine where you know you may have stored something in the browser. It, it will try to detect that for you and then tell you if you want to import it. So I would say that's just a huge step right there. And then once you've got everything centralized, then you can start you know, getting the hang of saving new logins and filling the logins. Um, and then from the, you know, it's kind of like you were saying, you know, you've kind of gone in these phases with the password manager. Um, and, you know, but really, I, I'm telling you, like, once you get started with it, it, it's, it kind of does change the way you can work online because you never really have to stop and interrupt your workflow ever again to go hunting for a password. And so even just getting started centralizing it all, you start to see that value immediately. Yeah, I think the value, I love that security check that tells me, 
how many similar passwords. I do have one password that I use when I'm setting up an account for the first time, and I use that fairly consistently. Um, I've tried varying it and stuff, but then I forget the variations, <laughs> and I end up having to reset it anyways. But um, and then and then the goal is to get it saved, to get that site saved in LastPass, and then go back and if I'm going to use the site regularly, I'll go back and change that to a you know a LastPass chosen uh, a page, but. Um, that has been one of those things that's popped up. Hey, you want to save this site? And then I obviously go. And the other thing that gets horribly addicting for me is because it's autofill all the time. You go to a site, you hit enter, and you're in. Right? Go to the first time you after you're doing that for a while. You go to a site where it's not autofilled, and I get a little angry. I'm like, oh, that's not in LastPass, you know? Because then I'm like, okay, what was my username? You know, how how am I going to figure this out? I got to go back. Oftentimes, I have to reset the password or whatever. So. It's been incredibly time-saving to have that just kind of auto, you know, kind of auto-fill for me uh, when I bring that up. Do you guys have a browser preference between uh, Chrome and IE? Does it work better in or Safari? Uh, is, um, Firefox. Does it work? Firefox. Does it work better? I, Firefox is dead. Oh. Um, <laughs> does it work better or is it great across all browsers? I mean, we work pretty hard to support all browsers. I mean, uh, from the beginning, one of our you know core beliefs was that you should have your data everywhere you want to use it, and we want to make it as easy as possible to do that. So we've, we've worked really, really hard towards universal support. Uh, that said, I mean, me personally, I use, I'm almost entirely in a Google ecosystem, so I use Chrome a lot and Firefox a lot. Um, I'm not on Mac OS a lot, but I... Uh, I love the Chrome integration. I mean, it's it's really slick. So yeah, seems to work great for Chrome. Uh, I mean, I've got an, on both IE and on Chrome uh, to to make that work. So that works out well. Well, we we got it a little diverted, but but good uh, a good diversion. There was one more. Oh, oh, that first time setup. That was a question from chat of what's the best way. It's fairly manually intensive at the, in the sense that first time you go, you set it up. It asks you, do you want to save it? You say yes, and it saves it. Uh, one of the other things I've noticed is I've been using it more. If uh, let's just say it's a Yahoo account, and they have multiple different ways to log into a Yahoo. So you might go to yahoo.com/login, or you might go to yahoo.login.com, whatever. How do you guys handle the multiple? If there are multiple places, and say I've only recorded one, when I go to the second one, it's not is it? It's not going to find that login necessarily, right? We do look for domain matches, and if there's something. So LastPass is looking at a lot of things, you know, when, when you go to a website. If it looks like the URL is off, uh, maybe suspicious, then we might not autofill. And that's a good opportunity to stop and look at the URL and make sure you actually are on the site you think you're on. But that aside, um, you know, that really is for more preventing phishing. Otherwise, LastPass should do a pretty good job of seeing even if you're on a different subdomain of that website it should know well hey you do have other webs or you do have other logins stored for this domain is this one of the ones you're trying to use to log in um, so yeah in most cases it should detect it yeah no and actually I find it like I have seven Google accounts and they're all in there and it it's what the nice deal is when you go to log in if it's not the one if it's it you know it autofill the username and the password and if it's not the one, little come over, click on the number, it'll drop them down, say, which one do you want? And and actually, that's kind of saved my bacon in Google a lot because I change between my Google accounts all the time. I mean, I am, I bet eight, nine, ten times a day I'm switching between accounts. 
and uh, and that's just saved my bacon a lot. So that that works out really well too. Amber, let me ask you um, from a non-literate LastPass uh, customer perspective: um, Is LastPass do does the company target enterprise uh, customers in terms of rolling out this type of software in you know Fortune 500 and big enterprises, or is it? more targeted towards uh, consumers and, and home devices? So we got our start on the consumer side. We, we did launch as a consumer brand, uh, but you know, several years ago we did launch on the enterprise side as well. So we have LastPass and then we have LastPass Enterprise. And so yes, we, we do um, push LastPass Enterprise you know, for companies, but big and small. Um, we have over 10,000 companies using LastPass Enterprise. We have deployments, you know, in very small companies, startups, you know, five-man teams, all the way up to Fortune 200s, uh, actually. So we've got a huge range of deployments, and really that's just a testament to how our product is able to scale. But the end-user experience, so if, as an employee, if my company started to roll out LastPass Enterprise, as an employee, my experience would actually be pretty similar to just the normal LastPass consumer experience. So the great thing is too, you know, a lot of people who get started with our product will maybe recommend it for use in their company and then it's a pretty easy transition. Um, and with LastPass Enterprise, the, the huge bonus you get is better sharing features. So it's built with a team's needs in mind. So you've got better sharing, better management, better oversight um, for that team environment. And, and when you say sharing, you're talking about shared password resources where you might have server stuff where certain people need access to that information at the server level, but you can lock that down. If you have three admins, you can lock that information down just to those three admins, right? So that they, they're the only ones that can see that login information? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good example. I mean, another example is, you know, I'm on the marketing team at LastPass, and so in our enterprise, in our LastPass enterprise, we have a shared marketing team folder, and anything that the share that the marketing team needs to get access to we put in that folder so I always know that if my coworker sets up an account for a new service that we're trying or you know for you know whatever social account that we're managing now I know I'll always have that login even if they're not in the office and I don't have to worry about messing with IT you know it's it's always there in that shared folder so each team can have a shared folder or you can do sharing one-on-one -on -one as well. And we have sharing in the consumer product, one-on-one -on -one sharing. And with LastPass Premium, we do have a folder that you can share. Um, so for example, you know, uh, if you're married and you co-manage accounts with your spouse, it could be great to have a shared folder where any account that you both need access to on a regular basis, maybe you add it there. And then obviously with the enterprise, you get a lot more sharing based on teams and projects. Yeah, I, I think that alone, you know, if you're married, spouse, significant, significant other, someone else who knows, who's got access to you, I mean, that's becoming very quickly uh, when people pass away, um, that's becoming a big problem because our, our all our lives are locked into these. I mean, how do you, now you got to kind of beg Facebook for their, you know, for the username and password so you can get into their account and turn it, shut it off or whatever you're going to do, right? Some people are leaving those on, which is a little creepy. But um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's becoming a big problem. So it's, I've thought about I haven't made that step yet, but I need to probably, uh, you know, create uh, an, or put, the, put something somewhere so if something happened to me, Sarah could get access to the, the account because it's all locked up in here. 
<laughs> right? I mean, everything everything we have is there. So um, there had also been a question in chat. Uh, Byron had asked about international sites. So not U.S.-centric, right? This will work on any site globally. Yeah, uh, LastPass, you know, is in use in, uh, I think, over 60 countries now. You know, we're... We're very much a global brand. We're we're very much used around the world. Are you guys number one? Do you think? Do you say that? Are you the number one? <laughs> we say we're number one. <laughs> are you the number one? Like, is usage numbers? Are you are, are you to that point, or is there? What's the competition? Who who else That's is in the space? That's hard to know. Um, there's different ways that people might say they're number one. You could say downloads. You could say users. Um, you know. We say we're number one because we were the first in the cloud space for password management. We were the first ones to do it the way that we've done it. Uh, you know, zero knowledge, local only encryption, but powered through the cloud. That was very unique. You know, when our team first launched in in 2008, um, and you know, since then we. You know, we have become a global brand, and like I said, you know, 10,000 companies using our enterprise product, millions of people using our consumer product, and it's 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 been um, yeah, it's been really positive. Just keep saying we're number one. Number one. We're number one. <laughs> um, okay, so we we did, we we took a little detour. You were talking about some of the new new product sets that are coming. Uh, did, uh, where do we leave off? Do you remember? Yeah, we talked about auto password change. Uh, the other recent thing was we launched a Mac app, and so we're officially in the Mac app store. We have a dedicated native Mac app. Uh, so, you know, for those who really like that desktop app experience on their Macs, you can now have that Vault uh, app on your desktop with LastPass on your Mac. Very cool. Not Probably not a lot of Mac listeners. Uh, on my <laughs> side, so we're, we're a lot of PC guys, but but uh, available there. Hey, uh, real quick, back to that question on uh, on a state situation. So, say I did have everything locked up in my master password, mm -hmm. and something happens to me, I'm gone. And is there a way for Sarah to recover that? My wife, uh, can she recover it? Do you guys have a recovery method, or is it like don't know the password? Sorry, it's locked up. Well, we, we do not have the master password, so it, it isn't as simple as, oh, can I have it? Um, there are recovery options for, for LastPass, but it has to be, the process has to be done on a computer where you previously had access, you know, and we send you through a verification step, and so it's certainly an option. In enterprise, we have policies that can help with that. And, uh, and so that's slightly different than on the consumer side. On the consumer side, um, they would have to have access to a computer where you were previously using it and, and have full access to the account email address and be able to go through the step. So it's, it's, a little, it's a little trickier. That's important to remember, right? I mean, that's a, that's, it's, it's secure that way, right? I mean, in yeah. the sense that you just it's like, oh, hold on, let me get into the database. Well, it's not transmitting that, that, that necessarily that password to the database, right? Exactly. Right. right. Yeah, we never have that key. We never have the the key to your encryption uh, for your account. So, you know, because we never have that key, we never have your master password, we can't get to your account, but that also just means that the options for regaining access to your account, you know, uh, in the in the case of account recovery, it's, it's a little more limited. That's good to so, know. So, you know, maybe at some point, you know, you add your master password to your will, 
but you know, legacy options, that's a big question. So, you know, it's something that um, that we've also been aware of. So we'll, you know, we'll kind of see where the options are there going forward. Yeah, well, it's one of those things, right? I mean, you're going to sacrifice one thing or the other, convenience or security at that point. And, and so there's some there's some interesting – it does raise some interesting questions, right, when we talk about having to get that or I totally forgot it. We use CrashPlan or, or I use CrashPlan to back up my data a lot of times. And they have a – no. they're in the same, they're in the same uh, boat. If you create that password and you forget it, it's <laughs> – sorry, <laughs> your data is locked up forever – and I've got an account like that where, for whatever reason, I went back to, I, you know, I set it at 256 encryption and went back to get it. And I, I couldn't remember the password, and I tried a whole bunch of different things, and I couldn't get it. So uh, so good to know. Anything else? I want to talk about two-factor a little bit, but anything else new that you guys have that you want to talk about? Um, no, let's, let's okay. jump into two-factor, yeah. Yeah, so you convicted me again last time to go two-factor on stuff. Uh, not just uh, and I, specifically, we're going to talk about two-factor options for your last pass account to get into that. That's what we're going to talk about. But I want to encourage individuals. Uh, that conversation got me thinking about two-factor on my email accounts or whoever supports it. A lot of banks support it, so you probably have uh, two-factor. And I and I really got to the point where I was like, I didn't do two-factor because I thought it was a pain. Right? I was like, oh. I get my phone out and do this and that and stuff. And actually, you know, I've enabled it on all my Microsoft accounts, all my Google accounts, Yahoo. Uh, what else? I guess those are the three main email providers that I use to get that done. Have and, you done it on any of your social accounts? Uh, not Facebook. Oh, Twitter. I did Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, not Facebook yet. I guess I should probably do that as well. Everybody's trying to hack my Facebook account right now as we speak. He doesn't have two-factor on it. Well, it'll be on by the end of the night. Are there others on social that I should know about that I might want to, that you're aware of, that I might want to think about? This no, those were the ones I could think of off the top of my head. Um, you know, PayPal, uh, like you said, a lot of banking institutions support it now. Um so, and I want to say there's several other consumer consumer services that are offering it, but but I can't quite recall any. Well, certainly for the email, which is really important, you know, uh, I went back and turned on two factor, and it it's a little rough at first, you know, and and actually Microsoft has a really good two factor when it comes to your live ID, your Microsoft ID, and they have a little app for Android and for iPhone and for Windows Phone that it won't send you a text, it'll send it to their app, and then you can go in there and approve it through their app, which is kind of cool. Google and uh, Twitter, I think, are both uh, um, text-driven. So you got to have that code and stuff. And if, what I've, The other thing I've noticed is they started formatting the codes so they show up, uh, or at least most of them show up on your screen without necessarily having to get into your phone, which is kind of nice. <laughs> uh, that's probably insecure, though, I think, now that I think about that. That's probably not great because someone could see it if they had your phone. But uh, handy that you don't necessarily have to log in. Um, yeah, and it, it, I just um, I actually just pulled up my reference list here. Um, you know, if you manage a website, WordPress, DreamHost, GoDaddy, Steam, uh, Amazon. Anyway, the point being, yes, there are a lot of a lot of sites that support this. Now. Yeah, so I've turned it on and I like it. I mean, I've just gotten you got to kind of get used to it. It's one of those things that you're like, okay. I just need to make sure I have my phone with me at all times when, when I'm yeah. going to do that. And so I've turned those on. Let's talk about two-factor options. We, we talked about this way back in the first time we had you on. We kind of glanced over it. So while I've got you, I actually want to walk through um, you know, the, the multi, you guys call it multi-factor options. 
But uh, let's walk through those real quick, and, and I'll mention them, and then you can kind of talk a little bit about how that works. Is that, are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, YubiKey, which is like one of my favorite, just because the word Yubi is so cool. But let's talk about what's YubiKey. For, and, and, again, these are for when you lo- your master password when you're logging into LastPass. Before you answer YubiKey, is your recommendation I put two-factor on this before we end the show tonight so that I <laughs> two-factor for my master password as well? Is that your recommendation? Uh, you know, I highly recommend it. You know, I use it. I've used it for years. I've switched between various options that we support, and we strongly recommend. You know, one of the commenters had asked earlier, you know, how do you create a strong master password? Well, I would say that two-factor is just as important as having a strong master password because then you're 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 doubling up, in a sense, on on your protection. You're you're requiring that second factor before someone can get into your account. So it's it's really important these days. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk YubiKey. What is that? Yeah. So the YubiKey is actually a little um, it's a little key device, and it's you know really about as big as your thumb, and it does actually plug into the USB port on your computer. And when you press on it, it generates a unique one-time code that LastPass recognizes and will use to authenticate. So it's a physical device, and they have a couple different types of YubiKeys. There's ones that you know are primarily for desktop and laptop use. They actually have mobile-compatible YubiKeys that have NFC support. And then they actually just rolled out a YubiKey with U2F support as well, which is something that has been in the news lately. It's kind of an effort. Um, I think it's, is it Google that's leading the U2F, the universal two-factor? Um, yeah, I think so. Option. Okay. So anyway, and, uh, yeah, YubiKeys is great. And YubiKeys are uh, somewhere between 30 and $60, probably to purchase if you want one of those. Yeah, and, and there's so- a bundle. Uh, so you can buy LastPass Premium with the YubiKey, get it, you know, get, to, get them together at a discounted price. Um, if, if that's the two-factor option you want to use. Um, yeah, and actually, so when you say bundle, I thought you were going to say you on the site, I can buy as many as 50 YubiKeys <laughs> at the same time if I want to do it in the enterprise. That's what I thought, That's where I thought you were going with bundle. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, holy cow. Um, but you, <laughs> you can you, do that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 50. Uh, that's 50 last. The, the bundle is 50 of the keys and 50 of the... Enterprise, I assume that's some enterprise licensing associated with that. Yeah, but we do have the consumer, you know, one key with one license as well. Right. Uh, One premium license. Available out there on the site. Okay, so that's YubiKey, and I think a lot of people are familiar with that. Last time we had you on, I had had Nathaniel Lindley on, and he uses YubiKey, so it's always Mm -hmm. nice. So Google Authenticator. So Google Authenticator is an app that Google created that generates a code every 60 seconds. And so you install it on your smartphone, you know, you, it's there every time you call it up, it's showing a code. So when you go to log in on your computer or what have you, you know, go to log into LastPass, you just also open the app on your phone, type in the six digit code that's showing at that time, and then you get access to your account. Uh, pretty easy. That's, I mean, for most people, uh, smartphone code key, is that is that your easiest option, do you think? I don't know that I'd say it's our easiest. It's certainly easy to set up, and it's easy to use, and it's free. You know, every component of that is free. So that's also, you know, it's, it's a great free option. Okay. 
Okay. Well, I, that may be the one I go with. But uh, <laughs> And then it's a, is it twofer? Is that how you pronounce it? Yep, twofer. Okay. Yep, talk about that. And they're also a mobile app, and they do um, push notifications. So if you're signing in and then it can detect that, hey, you just sent a login request, approve it now or don't approve it through the app. So again, you have to have your smartphone on you, but pretty easy when it comes to the usability because you're just approving through the app. And so that's kind of like we get today with the with the email where it's they're using SMS. In this case, it's just using you know, Microsoft's using their own app. Is there a charge mm -hmm. for the app? Do you know uh, on those? I thought I remember I was going to go to this one before, but maybe they wanted money for the app because I'm cheap. But do you um, know? I. I thought the twofer was free. Okay. Here, we'll look it up real quick while we're while we're doing doing this. T O O. If you're wondering, T O. If you're scoring at home, T O O P H E R. Get you there. Yep. And it is free. Free app. So that's that'd be an easy one to do too. And when you say push, it just detects. So your phone's gonna buzz, or you're gonna get some kind of notification. Hey, the code is here, and then I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna put that in when I log in. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, you know, it, it is pretty similar to the way that some of these other sites have implemented their two-factor authentication. So for some people, this may actually be a more familiar authentication type experience. Yeah, and actually, uh, on as I look this up, let's see if you can see that. Probably not with the lights. Uh, Google, you can't see it. Google Authenticator is right below it. So it, it brought that one up next uh, <laughs> when you go in there. So, okay. And then uh, Duo Security. Mm-hmm. So Duo, again, uh, very similar. I, you know, if, if you'll notice, we're, we're talking about a lot of mobile apps. That's, right. that's kind of the direction that a lot of, or one of the directions that two-factor authentication has gone in. I would say the other direction is biometrics. But, uh, you know, the smartphone is something that everyone has on them these days. So, you know, the idea behind Google Authenticator and Twofer and Duo Security and Transact um, okay. is that you will have your phone on you, so you'll always have these apps with you, and uh, so you'll be able to log in with the passcodes really easily. So what's um, the difference between those four? They're all very similar. Is it just preference at that point is kind of what you're in the ecosystem you're in, or what's the advantage? Yeah, I would say, you know, the user experience is just slightly different on each of them, and... Uh, you know, I actually, I, I could say from a Android perspective, um, because that's what I primarily use, um, all of them are pretty similar in usability. So I wouldn't say that I find any of them, you know, harder to use. Okay. I guess Google Authenticator is probably slightly less usable because you actually have to type in the key, like type in the numbers yourself, whereas with Duo and Twofer, you're just authenticating with a push notification. So less work on your part. Okay. And Transact, also same, just an app that's on it. They all work the same. Those four all pretty much work the same way that's on there. Um, let's exactly. talk about, we have we have two more, Grid. Talk a little bit about Grid. Yeah, Grid is one of our older options. It, it was one of the first ones that we added to the product when, when we uh, first started offering two-factor authentication. And... <laughs> Uh, you know the, the battleship grids, uh, how you sort of have like, you know, A2 and I5, uh, it's a lot like that. <laughs> you sunk my battleship. <laughs> yeah. You actually okay. print a physical grid. Oh, this is old. 
Yeah, it's, it's a little old school. Um, yeah. And with the physical grid, every time you go to log in, you're actually finding the four numbers that you need to enter based on, based on what it's requesting of you at that time. So the combination that it requests changes every single time, and you have to look it up on your on your grid. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody listening to me is ever going to use that option. So we'll, we'll But, move. you know, some of our users, you know, some, some LastPass users have been using it for a really long time, and, you know, that that's how they got started with two-factor, and, and they love that option. So it certainly has... <laughs> It still has LastPass users. It's got some it. users using it as well. <laughs> and then yeah. you've, you've got some support. They're just asking this in chat. You've got some support for fring, fingerprint and card reader options as well? Yes, we, we do support some in you know, the biometric fingers, fingerprint reader. And actually on mobile, we support fingerprint reader as well. So if you use you know an Android um, device that supports fingerprint authentication or if you use the latest iOS 8, you know, has Touch ID, those are also supported with LastPass. And um, it's, you know, another great option for locking down your account. Okay. Christian, let me ask you, any, as we look at these options across there when you think of two-factor, you got any comments from what you know about what you're studying and such? Any, any preferences or thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's we're even in the university system uh, have been looking at two factor. I mean, having it on email and places where basically you, one account is tied to several other accounts is where it, it is really effective. So um, I know some people will get relatively frustrated with having it all the time. Um, Google does a relatively good job of where, you know, if you have two-factor on your account, it recognizes your device is already authenticated. It's not like it's two-factor bugging you every single time. So um, I think that is uh, maybe a miscommunication that a lot of first-time two-factor uh, users don't get. Um, so, but, I mean, that's a pretty comprehensive coverage of where two-factor would be important, so... Yeah, and Christian, actually, that's a that's a great point because for LastPass, you can trust a device as well. So if you know you're going to be on, you know, your home desktop a lot, you don't feel the need to have to enter that two-factor every single time. You can trust it, but yeah. then anyone trying to log in anywhere else is still going to get the two-factor prompt. Yeah, and I know Google has, um, you can get these like one-time codes because typically like my two-factor authentication is a text message to my phone, um, but for some reason you don't have a text, you can write this little number and stick it in your wallet and use it as like a kind of one-time access code. Um, and that's pretty interesting. So, um, and, and the other thing too is that um, the, the notion of what we consider two-factor authentication to be has changed somewhat, I think. Um, I think most people think of it as a code. Um, my bank, for example, people would argue my bank doesn't have two-factor, but every time I log in from an unknown location, the second thing it asks me is one of my security questions, which I think is actually a pretty effective two-factor authentication instead of just sending me some code. Um, then again, there could be some social engineering to get that um, security question out of uh, out and in, in valid. So maybe not as effective as a random number sent to a random place, but... Um, two-factor, I think, is taking on multiple meanings at this point. Amber, in the setup, you have both multiple, you, there's, I think you alluded to this, you have both uh, a tab called uh, mobile devices, and there's some, uh, some ability to do some things there, and then you have one called trusted devices, 
What's the difference between the two on those tabs? Well, so if you do set up multi-factor authentication, that's where trusted devices is going to come into play. So if you have Google Authenticator, for example, set up with your LastPass account, but maybe you use the same desktop every single day and you don't feel that um, you, know, you need to prompt every single time for that device, you would just set it as a trusted device. And then whatever you label it as, so you know, home, desktop, it'll show up in your trusted devices, you know, in your LastPass settings. If you ever need to untrust it, you can do it immediately in that uh, setting. So if you trusted a laptop and then that laptop goes missing, then you can immediately untrust it and, uh, you know, and, and, and so that's, that's another security option, you know, we offer. And then with the mobile devices, you're just keeping track of where you've authenticated on mobile devices and again, if you ever need to untrust one of those devices, you can do that as well. You had also alluded to this earlier. There's a tab called Equivalent Domains. And so there's a list in there of what you're considering. Uh, so like Bing.com, Hotmail.com, Live.com, Microsoft.com, MSN.com, and Passport.net. Wow, Passport. That goes way back when we think of I had a Passport uh, account way back in the day, one of Microsoft's very, very early attempts to get uh, I think payments working too on, on the web. I still have my passport. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, I, I, I've forgotten long ago. It's, I'm sure it was Jay Collison still at passport.net. But uh, amazing, amazingly, there some somehow passport.com emails have made it all the way to outlook.com. That's that's how migrated they've been and grandfathered in grandfather. They, they keep bringing them over from various. They've somehow not so. died. <laughs> Can I, uh, Amber, can I edit equivalent domains in this section? Am I able to add to that, or is this basically you just telling us what you what comes natively? We do build in a lot natively, and that's really just to make your experience easier. I mean, what you're looking at right now, the settings panel, it definitely is a little more, you know, granular. It's, it's kind of more technical stuff, so... You know, we don't necessarily expect every user to go in and, and have to adjust these things. So, yeah, for the equivalent domains, we set up what we know will probably work the best. And then if you are one of those people who needs to go in and change it or add your own, uh, we have those options there available for you. Um, but, I, you know, I think in the settings, you know, the most important things that a user would want to take a look at is, Look at the security options. You know, there's a security tab there. Familiarize yourself with some of the options. And then look at the multi-factor or two-factor authentication options and strongly consider setting that up for your account. Those are, those are going to be the, the main things that are going to help you really get the most out of LastPass to protect your, your online accounts. Yeah, good. Good to dig in a little bit and ask some of these questions. It's one of yeah. these things that we need to review all the time again. I have to have you on my program now twice a year just so I do these things. <laughs> you know, otherwise you get, you know, you get away from it. And I'll admit after the last show, if you go back, and I forget what number it was, 167 or something like that. Um, I spent all day Saturday and I just, I gave it a day and I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to set all this stuff up and, and I'm still finding accounts uh, every once in a while of places. I'm like, oh, I better get this one saved. And so I quick save it. And uh, my plan is always to try and come back once a month. I've got kind of a task. I didn't always do it, but clear up those passwords that are the same and you have a nice security challenge one of the things is i think that's the most helpful i mean i love the security challenge but one of the things the most helpful is you look at my accounts that are email and then you match them to the list of 
that you know of, right, that have been compromised, mm-hmm. uh, and and then you can tell me. Um, you keep that up to date, right? I mean, that's something you're. That's you. It seems like you guys are working real hard at that. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the the security challenge, you know, really it tries to give you an audit of not only like you were saying, you know, do you have weak passwords? Do you have duplicate passwords? Uh, but it also does try to help you spot accounts that may be at risk, uh, either because of a suspected breach or a confirmed breach, uh, or even you know way back. Last year, people might remember the whole Heartbleed issue. Um, that was a bug in OpenSSL for you know secure encryption on the web. And at that time, we used the security challenge to help people identify websites where they should go change their passwords because the website made the changes they should have after Heartbleed. So anyway, all these types of things, you know, we build into that. And yes, we do keep it updated, and we we constantly are trying to look out for our users and alert them to anything that might have impacted any of their accounts. Yeah, that's what's most helpful. It's a little audit. You, you don't have to go to all these different sites to get that information. Uh, every time you log in, it does the audit. It says, oh, hey, guess what? Your, your, uh, your, your emails are okay. And it checks it every time because you never know if something's going to come up. And then you're like, oh, man, I should really abandon that email address or, or what have you. So it's good to run that security check just as often as possible. Amber, last question as we kind of bring this. God, this goes so fast. I mean, we've been doing this an hour already. This is crazy. It's great great information, and thanks for hanging with us. Um, if people wanted to get, so they're going to try this out. They're going to try Most of the guys are going to try the free version, they're gonna, and they, they got some questions. What's the best way for them to get support questions answered to you guys, what, or what are some ways or the best ways to do that? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I always like to offer my help. I, you know, as, I've over the years I've been really involved in our online community and with our customers and so I'm always happy to be a resource. I'll just tell you my email address is amber at lastpass.com so please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, we're very active uh, in our social communities so Twitter, Facebook, you know, also feel free to contact us there. We also do have, you know, a, a ticket, support ticket system that you can get through the support section on our website. If you have a bug to report or, you know, technical questions, that's a great way to reach out to us, too. So, you know, we, we try to make ourselves available wherever you want to try to reach out to us. Yeah. No, you guys have always been responsible. At LastPass on Twitter is kind of the way to get it done. I think for me, uh, you guys are very, very responsive to that. Uh, and so we always appreciate that. Christian, I didn't give you an opportunity to ask uh, last questions. Uh, anything you want to throw in before we uh, we close this thing up with Amber? You did such a good job. You're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> no, I, was, um, I, I am curious a little bit about, um, you touched on it briefly, but I, I guess a lot of people always ask me, well, I don't know how much I trust LastPass or any other type of password manager because all my credentials are sitting in the cloud. Um, what is your, I guess, um, elevator response to when someone says that to you? Well, they're not really sitting in the cloud, and it's a that's a really hard thing to try to you know get across in just a few words. But because we never have your master password, because we never have your encryption key, all that we're ever holding is encrypted you know data, gobbledygook data essentially. Uh, and so without that key, really, 
you can't get to anything. And the analogy I always try to give to people is it would be as if we handed you a box, you stuffed a whole bunch of stuff in the box, you closed the box, you put a chain on the box, locked it, and then handed it off to us, but you kept onto that key. So getting into that box would be incredibly difficult without that key. And we do all sorts of things on the local end, on the server side, to protect the account even more on top of that basic, you know, encryption. So, and, you know, security is our business. So it's, it's our business to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect your information. And, you know, we from day one have never wanted to know your master password never wanted to know what you have stored in the account. So it's 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 very, very, very important to us. Does that answer the question or is there It does. Other? I mean I, I just because I get that question a lot and I get tired of answering it. So now <laughs> I can just say go to show two hundred minute mar minute mark fifty. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> they cover it. Yeah. It's it's actually even on your PC, right? It would be that's that information's not necessarily on your PC stored yeah. in the clear. So any any device where you're using LastPass, the same thing applies. Whether you're on mobile, whether you're on a desktop, it's always the local only encryption. We just sync the data for you. We hold on to that incredibly difficult, you know, locked box, and you get it back, and you can unlock it when you're ready. Yeah, from, and, from any device. And you can yeah keep your data. Yeah, safe. one of the annoying things. Tongue in cheek, okay. One of the annoying <laughs> things about it is that uh, you've I gotta every time I want to get access to a password in the clear, if I want to do that, I have to put my my master password back in, and it doesn't necessarily just because you put it in once, it doesn't necessarily even even remember it. And now, unless you tell it to, right? There's some options there to say remember this for three minutes or five minutes or an yeah, hour. Yeah, the reprompt. Yeah. Yeah, and it's annoying, but it's the right thing. You know, it's, you're like, yeah, this is a pretty important thing, and you just don't want to leave that open. And so I appreciate the security on that end. It is only one password that I have to remember at that point uh, to put that in, but it's uh, it's a good deal. It's one of the hardest things, because especially if I'm going back through, oftentimes when I'm changing password, especially when I'm changing passwords in a, in a site where you guys don't support the, the automatic stuff, I'm, I, 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 I'm always a little leery. Did I get it right? Did I... You know, did it save right? Did it? So I go back, I actually clear it, log out, then I test it again, just to make sure I'm going to be able to get to it the next time, uh, because I'm I'm probably going to forget, long forget what the old password was if I didn't do that on the spot. Well, well some, you know, just so ahead. you know, we do always store if you you know if you're updating an existing website, you, so you have a website stored in LastPass, you go to the website to try to log in, change your password. We always save the password history. So if you need to go back and see if there was an older password and what that older password was, it'll still be saved in that same website entry in LastPass. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you can it, rest easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I resetting passwords is not what it used to be. So it, it's it's getting easier and easier to get that done. So I don't worry about it too much, but it is one of those things I go back through and I kind of audit and check some things out and. I'll do it, you know, over the course of an hour or two, I'll sit down and go add a bunch of, whether they're the same, I'll go back, you know, in this case, I've got a bunch that are the same, maybe 25 or so. Um, they're pretty low security sites, not worried about, uh, to, like Canva, right? I make I make graphics out there on Canva, not too worried about somebody, if somebody breaking into my Canva account, there's really nothing out there that they can get a hold of, but, um, but for those, I go out and fix those, so. 
Amber, great stuff. Thank you. Uh, Christian, I, I, I will not make you sit through the whole uh, end of the show here because we have a bunch of community stuff to do. But I want to say thanks. Thanks again for supporting the community. You guys are always fabulous when we ask uh, for stuff like T-shirts. It was nice to get those and mm-hmm. hand those out, um, you know, as well as just coming on and updating us what's going on at LastPass. One of my favorite tools. And so I want to say thanks for uh, for coming on and being part of the program. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Christian, it, you know, it's nice to hang out with you as well and hope to be back again in the soon, soon in the near future. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, Amber. Thanks, Amber. We'll, we'll let you go. Thanks for coming in. All right. Thanks, guys. You bet. Well, uh, it's funny. Just a minute ago while we were uh, saying goodbye to Amber, my, uh, in, my, um, in TeamViewer, my, uh, an alert popped up and said, my mom's computer, I use TeamViewer to access my, my mom's computer in Colorado Springs to fix it. Antivirus is out of date. <laughs> Boom. It's like, oh, girl. well, guess what I'm uh, doing this tonight? Is, this, isn't, this isn't nearly as bad as, as getting a, a call from your uncle at 11 o'clock at night to tell you that he's royally destroyed his computer and the virus is eating up his CPU at 100% CPU. So remote access is like you watch the mouse do the little pixel update every 30 yeah. seconds. Oh, You're just like, hey, uh, see that button that says power? Yeah, push it in. <laughs> Let it go. It I'll I'll call you this weekend. <laughs> From that, well, it's always good to have Amber on, and uh, it's always good to talk password security. I think it's just a good reminder. Once twice a year, we have LastPass on spring and fall, and uh, a good uh, good reminder along those things. Anything else to add, Christian? From you know, from when we talk about from a cybersecurity standpoint. As we just think about personal password security, anything else you'd add to that? Yeah, I mean, this all, all of what we just heard is what we call cyber hygiene. Um, so you, that sounds you got, disgusting, by it, the way. It does, <laughs> and it makes me a little uncomfortable to hear the word too. So I don't use it often, but uh, it, it, it's it's kind of a buzzword in, in my program, which yeah. makes me even more scared. Um, so you can understand I'm naturally sick of the word, but it is kind of true, right? It's just that stuff you got to get. It's the it's the it's the knowledge and the tech that you don't want to make a mistake on because one mistake leads to relatively frustrating consequences. But uh, at, at the same token, you know, I, I think LastPass is probably, you know, a great solution for the average guy to keep their stuff together um, in terms of if we were to look at this with the lens of a Cyber Frontiers viewer. Uh, again, I'm very frustrated at the state of cybersecurity having still be very password based and that we really have not gotten people out of the gate um and uh you know i was sitting sitting at uh at work thinking about this realizing hmm what if what if as part of our driver license or whatever kind of government id you want every u.s citizen was issued a smart card id i mean we're already doing it for all federal government employees at whole nine yards and it's great you pop the thing in your card reader you're all authenticated your certificates sit on the piv smart card it has all your identif- uh, you know every everything you need biometrically is right there unless someone steals your card and and coerces the pin out of you and gets on the right network that you need it for i mean this thing is it would it would be a game changer for making some of the stupid oh i i you know 
I got your plain text database password, ha, 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 and here's all the credit card numbers. I mean, that stuff would be gone. Um, obviously, there's a cost, so I, I don't mean to sound like this is some easy flip of the switch thing to do, but um, we would think by now that we are moving along, and I, I, I've already gotten the... the um, cute comment in chat. I'll leave it at cute. That says that I'm the guy that trusts the government. Um, watch Cyber Frontiers episode 17. I think you'll find some interesting content there, all for the average guy. Um, smart cards work whether it's the government or whether it's private sector, and people are using them uh, all in you know different capacities. But um, having a smart card that is a unif uh, a universal identifier is actually a big deal and the uh, um surprisingly uh, you know I'm very rare I'm very rare to give accolades to the federal government but one of the programs that they actually have done rather well for federal employees and contractors is the PIV smart card system and if you do a little google search for uh, HSPD 12. It, uh, it's the it's one of the presidential directives. I don't remember wh under what president or what year that was actually released, but that was basically the executive mandate that said get this thing fixed, get a smart card standard, issue it to everyone. There are no exempt federal agencies or employees or contractors, and it actually works. I mean, yeah, there's a glitch printing the card every now and then, but that's about it. Um, and these things have in, uh, dramatically increased the security of your tax data, um, people who are sitting here touching your records. So, yeah, the, oh, trust government with this, that, that's great, but actually it is enhancing your own private security within the system and is making people who work uh, to serve our country um, do so more securely. So it's a technology that I hope gets in the hands of consumers in the next decade. Um, That'd be great. I, yeah. I agree with you in a lot of ways. This So this week, my son, I got, I got a sticker. This week, my son joined the Marines. So Tim is now, he's not in yet. He's in the late entry, but he went through the process to be in the Marines. And at the MEP station, they before these guys could do anything or get access to anything, thumbprint and a, and a front of a photo ID thing, and it would, I, and I watched it, and it would pop up their account at the MEP station at that point. Yep. So I was like, holy crap, this is a long way from me holding folders of, I mean, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. It's more than that, but 25 years ago when I went through MEPs when I joined the military. Way different security, right? There wasn't a computer in the building <laughs> at that point. <laughs> this was 1985, so uh, there shouldn't have been. But, um, and I've noticed as we've gone to the recruiter station, these are just recruiters, right? They've got smart cards. You're right, man. Everybody, boom, in the laptop, and um, and that's how they get access to it. And I, and I think cost-wise, can't be that much more no. than printing your driver's license. Right? Because, I mean, because think about it. The cost is priceless when it prevents massive security breaches. Right, right. The cost of investing in security is priceless. Is it, is perfect? it perfect? Probably no. no. Is it but better? It's, yes. <laughs> yeah. Is it better than I mean, a username it, it, and a password? Yes. It's night It's night and day difference, um, especially because what a lot of people don't realize is when they issue these, the whole point of the HSPD-12 mandate was not just to have standards across the bar and have these expectations across the bar, but have the systems be interoperable so that if you're Say you're a, a staffing agent at, uh, I don't know, the IRS. Your card will be read and worked by someone who works for the, the U.S. Marine Corps. I mean, these cards 
are are the the systems speak the same language. It's like saying everyone runs Windows Seven. Well, everyone's running Piv Piv HSPD twelve certification. So um, it has really changed the way we do business and in a positive way. It's like like a, like like I said earlier. It's it's one of the few programs I'm like. Wow, on a massive worldwide centralized scale for government, it actually worked. How it's, impressive. It's kind of incredible. Uh, yeah. Let's just say it. It's kind of a miracle. Hey, do you know, are those smart cards RFID uh, contact or both? Mm, I don't think, I think they're contact. I think they got to be a reader. Yeah. I could be wrong. I, I think I'm, not, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think they're RFID. Yeah, pretty yeah. sure they're not because yeah. they're... Uh, no. That lot to hit ask that question. I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe I should get a government. We should, maybe we should hunt down a government security person and have them on Cyber Frontiers. Might be a good idea. Hunt down. Hunt down was probably not the right word to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use the word hunt down and government Invite. in the same sentence. <laughs> uh, we would it. like to I'm cordially gonna, hunt you down to I'm our uh, show next week. <laughs> tomorrow I, I won't even it's like I'll never even exist every podcast will be just you talking <laughs> you have been eliminated just completely wiped off the, the podcast will be there it'll just be you talking and uh, no, no, there'll be no intro it'll just I, uh, just like I never existed. I think we'd lose all I think we would lose all of our listenership if it turned into a Christian monologue for one hour I think it would just be a, a very exponential drop off <laughs> yeah uh, well I think it's uh I think it's a miracle, you know, we're talking about that they got that done. Uh, Brian is saying, you know, I think given the, you know, giving a ton of credit to the government in many regards, not all warranted. Well, you know, the, the warranted or not, credit or not, the fact that they I mean, actually got something going and it, it, for the <laughs> yes. most part it works, that's pretty amazing that uh, they've gotten that far. And I've seen that in many, you know, we work, I work with some government officials uh, quite a bit. And you're right, over the last couple of years, it's been a standard across the board. Again, is it perfect? Whatever. Yeah, oh, we get that. But it is one of those yeah. things. Well, that, and I uh, mean, yeah. the the manufacturers in the private sector are really who champion the technology. So, yeah, they get a lot of credit for constructing the technology. I'm merely giving the government credit for actually doing something, which is rare. But um, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my piece, and, and we'll close it at that. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, let me remind everyone here. Of course, uh, if you're not listening to Cyber Frontiers, you should be. Great, great program. We spend some time talking about these things. You don't have to agree with them all or agree with any of it. Just have a listen out there. We're available on Cyber Frontiers. We're there every other Monday night. The best way to keep track. I've been pretty consistent with the calendar over at theaverageguy.tv. Uh, not all the time. I'm maybe like the government. Not always. Not always consistent. But. Uh, it's uh, if you go to the calendar, go to the average guy TV TV, go down the right hand column. There's a little calendar there. And usually I load the shows up over the weekend. So if you check those on Mondays, uh, that would be a great, uh, great way to keep track of everything that's going on uh, with that. We just did one cyber frontier 17. You might want to go check that out. It's available um, for you now. We'll remind you and I'll thank you for using the average guy TV Amazon affiliate link. Just the average guy TV slash Amazon or Amazon CA for our Canadian residents. You guys have been doing a bang-up job of that, and that helps us purchase upgrades for the studio, give away the uh, stuff for people to test uh, and try those things out, all kinds of stuff. It just gives me a little bit of buffer to be able to help people out, especially with technology problems, and so we appreciate uh, when you do that. If, uh, if you want more information, we recorded a uh, – we talked about Maple Grove Partners stuff, and Christian and I sat down with a Home Tech Tip, and I think that's Home Tech Tip 13. 
you want to pop out over there and listen to that, you can get about an eight-minute segment of us talking about everything Christian's doing. Uh, we mentioned that up front on the podcast as well. So if you want to get involved in that, Christian's very excited to bring you on. And so if you want to get involved, uh, get hosted. It's a little bit of a work in progress. It's good stuff. Again, AverageGuy.tv is on. If it's good enough for me, it's probably good enough for you. So get get out there. And it hosts. I mean, I got tons of data when we talk about podcasts and all the bandwidth and all the RSS. And Christian gets sick of me saying, make sure that RSS feed works. <laughs> that has to work. <laughs> it has to work, Christian. And uh, so he's learned a lot uh, putting up with my high maintenance-ness on that. Trust me, there's no tougher customer than me. Right, Christian? That's that's pretty true. Yeah, it's not really that true. It's I'm pretty easy. True. I'm pretty easy. So, uh, I think I think that's it. I think we're gonna say with that we're gonna call it a wrap. We're here every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, at theaverageguy.tv slash live uh, for that. And uh, we'd love to have you come out. If you haven't ever caught a live show, uh, the chat room. By the way, thanks, chat tonight. You guys did a great job. That's last couple weeks. You guys have been on fire in chat, and of course, I always appreciate the questions that you bring in. It just makes the show better when you guys are bringing in questions for us. And of course, we'd love to have you join us on a Thursday night to be able to get it done. I think I'm here for the foreseeable future, although February is a busy travel month for me, but I think, uh, no, actually, I've got a couple in February that aren't going to work. But most Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. Average guy.tv. Good night, everybody. Good night.